Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tribe of Unicorns. I'm your host, Kendra Beavis, and today I am on the show with Sarah Klein. Sarah is a business coach, and she is here to break you out of your mindsets of limiting beliefs and help anyone that is looking to start their own business kind of jump that hurdle. So if that's you, take a listen to this episode. It's going to be a good one. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to Tribe of Unicorns. I'm your host, Kendra Beavis, and I am sitting with Miss Sarah Klein. She is an entrepreneurship coach. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you, Kendra and Tribe of Unicorns. Well, welcome to the tribe. You are an official unicorn now. <laughs> so honored. I love that. <laughs> So we were pre-chatting and then we started to get so juicy and I'm like, no, 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 let's get it into the, the episode. Um, I wanted to kind of start with exactly what you do and who you help right now, but then I'd love to hear your journey to getting here. Yeah, absolutely. So I am an entrepreneurship coach for recovering perfectionists. And what that means is... I help people start and build businesses, even when they have that voice in their head telling them, oh, but I should probably more sure, be more sure that this is a good idea, or I should probably be more put together. I should know really what my offer is. And I really help folks who, when they take a step back, they are actually shooting for perfection. I help those folks instead step into progress. Um, because that's kind of where, like, as you guys will hear in my journey in a moment, all the magic happened for me. <laughs> um, and the biggest thing that has held me back throughout my journey was my own perfectionist tendencies, which we'll get into in a moment too. Um, so I absolutely love what I do. It's a mixture of mindset coaching and business strategy coaching. Um, I work one-on-one -on -one with my clients and I'm... I am in awe of every single person that I work with. It's like truly the best, the best thing in the world. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. And that's what we should be doing. Like the thing that we just can't wait to get out of bed and do every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you get here? How did you become an entrepreneurial coach? Where, what's your story? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to tell you guys all the real story. The one that looks like a giant zigzagging swirl across, you know, across a map with a coffee stain on it. Like yes. that's the path I'm telling you guys today. Um, so let's see here. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a dual Canadian American citizen. So I ended up going to undergraduate school at McGill University in Montreal, Canada. Um, any Canadians listening, hello. And I studied theater. <laughs> Really? Yes, I actually did a double major in theater and political science. Um, and my best friend, who at that time was one of my very first roommates, she, she and her sister were starting a, oh, wait, no, I already, I already missed an experience. Let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. Sure, I'm sure. still in Los Angeles. Okay. So, so I'm still in Los Angeles and I'm in high school and I don't have anything to do in the summer. So I asked my friend, I was like, hey, do you want to like be the photographer and I could be the writer for this new thing called a blog that's happening? 
<laughs> and you know my friend said yes and she did eventually kind of fade out of the picture and then it become became my entire project but essentially I became like as a teenager a prehistoric influencer in Los Angeles right when becoming an influencer was starting to actually be a thing yeah. <laughs> what were you blogging uh, about I was blogging about LA. My blog, the domain is expired, so don't try to find it. Um, but it was called The Local Looking Glass. And I remember like I wrote in the bio, beneath the bleach blonde glitz and glamor of Los Angeles, like what true stories and experiences lie beneath the surface? Like I wrote something catchy and cheesy like that as the about on the oh blog. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's funny because I've lived in so many places in my life and to this day, I still feel like Los Angeles is truly my home. And I think a big reason for that is because of my experience with that blog. It was my very first time um, dipping my toe in, well, dipping my toe, jumping head first into content creation, content mm -hmm. management, um, copywriting, social media marketing, SEO, partnerships. And I did that blog for about two years. And by the time I was 19, I was getting sponsorships from the like of the Los Angeles Conservancy, a really cool historical preservation organization. Um, Palm Wonderful sponsored me. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a very, very young Eventbrite. That was super cool. Oh, um, wow. So those were just some highlights of that experience. And then I stopped because I was like, I should probably go to college now. Um, from there, now we can go into where I was in college. So that I consider that my very first business experience. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in college, we're back in Montreal. My roommate and her sister started a vintage shop and they put it on Etsy. I was like, man, that sounds like really fun and kind of interesting. And I was like, I could probably do an online shop, but what would I make an online shop about? And I thought, well, I have a sweet tooth and I see people selling gourmet salts. Maybe I should just sell gourmet sugar. <laughs> so I spent an entire month putting together a product line of eight ounce glass jars of flavored sugar. And I put it live and of course, nobody bought anything <laughs> because I didn't ask a single person's opinion right. on do you, would, would you actually ever buy an eight ounce glass of sugar? I, I didn't do that and nobody bought anything. Um, but then a couple, like a month or two passed and I started noticing people were emailing me. They were like, hey, you know that like rose cardamom sugar you have? I don't wanna buy a jar of that but can you make like 300 of those in little packets and send it to me for my wedding favors? And I had multiple requests like that. So I ended up pivoting into the wedding market oh. and that really became the bread and butter of my business. Um, I created semi-customizable wedding favors. I also did like subscription boxes, like corporate events um, with my gourmet sugars and vegan hot chocolates. How cool. Yeah. And then I stopped that business because I was like, well, I'm about to finish college, so I should probably do something 
this is the funniest part. This is the part that kills me. I was like, I should probably get a career so I could learn how to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like already on business too by the age of 22. And I'm like, I should do a real career to really learn how to do this. Um, yeah, our minds are tricky, funny things. Yeah. So that's when I actually, you know, I, I did a little bit of teaching. Um, I ended up going to grad school at Carnegie Mellon University for something called human computer interaction. And I ended up entering the tech world, the high tech world. So remember when I was a theater major, it's like complete money. And this, in this world, you know, I'm, I was a professional product designer, user experience designer. Um, I was really working with startups, corporations, you know, whoever hired me really to create um, apps and websites and digital products and experiences that help people solve their problems and that people really liked to use and experience. Um, but something was always calling at me mm -hmm. going, Tara, remember when you had your own business though, when are you gonna do that again? Like, when are you gonna do that again? Um, and it took me years to actually start something and stick with it again, because I kept having all these false starts. I would have an idea, but then, oh, the idea wouldn't be good enough. I would get, I would start something for a little bit and then, oh, it's not getting enough traction. It's like, just, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Like that's a through line that I think hopefully you guys are picking up with in my whole journey is I had so many cool things going yeah. And if I had just stuck with it, it really, I mean, you know, I, every single thing I have done, I think I could have done for longer, but you know, I'm not good enough yet. I need to go do this now. Kept coming up. So finally I took the leap and I actually started brand cake as a branding business. Um, you know, I was like, well, I'm a designer. Let's not make this hard. I'll just right. design for people. <laughs> And what was so interesting was I noticed for a lot of the clients coming to me personally, I don't know what about my energy was attracting these types of people to me. Folks were coming to me um, and they thought that branding was going to solve all their problems, but it, I knew it wasn't going to because people thought, oh, if I have the perfect logo, if I have the perfect look, then all my problems will be solved. I'll get all the customers. I'll make tons of money and that's it. But really what I've learned through my own experience is you, I mean, you don't, actually the most important thing is just building up your own confidence to keep going and learning how to embrace failure and learn from it um, and not making failure mean something about you. Right. So I ended up I actually kind of was feeling badly because I would, you know, I'd be, of course, people would pay me for branding and I would do it and then I would give it to them. But I would, at the back of my mind, I'm like, how much is this really going to help these people? I mean, like, really how much? So, um, you know, I had been working with a coach myself mm -hmm. and I was like, man, what she does is really impactful. And that's when I it kind of clicked for me and I went, well, I can be a coach for people who kind of think they need to be perfect before they can put themselves out there. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, what a journey. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I told you we are swirling all over the map. <laughs> that's the best ones. Cause I love that you didn't really let anything deter you. 
Um, I love you say that because at the time I felt like everything was deterring me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess hindsight is, is 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, me listening to you, how courageous it was to do all those things and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. Um, cause you obviously didn't stop. Yeah, that's, that's very true. I don't think I'd, honestly, I don't think I'd ever be able to stop starting, like stop having, being my own boss and running my own business. Yeah. I think I've, I'm finally coming to terms with that. So, um, and I love that your first entry point into being an entrepreneur was just fun, you know, something that you enjoyed and really, it sounds like was, was just a hobby that you really, that spoke to you. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the, I mean, you you started that at 17. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, where did you even begin? You know, I have children and I often think it's really fascinating to because being a creative person myself, how do I best serve them? How do I best help them find their path and let them try and let them, you know, what, what was your situation that somebody supported that idea? Was it just, I'm going to do this and this is really fun? Or did you have um, people in your life were like, that's cool. You should try it. That is such a fantastic question. So, um, first of all, I would say I have a very feisty mom (laughs) and my mom has not ever really started her own business, but my mom is the type of person where like, if you tell my mom, no, she's going to be like, but why? Yeah. And you'll find a way to make it a yes. And I think, first of all, just like having her model that as I was growing up, it kind of, I just, I kind of was like, well, when I see people doing cool things that I like, like, why not me? Right. So when I was, um, which is really kind of an amazing thing, because for those of y'all who can't see my face, like, you know, I am like I'm Asian and white, like I'm a mixed race young woman in the United States. So I think it's kind of an amazing thing that my mom who is like a Chinese immigrant was able to model that for me. And um, I loved to read as a kid. Mm. And because I loved to read, I was like, well, why not me to write a book? So then I, you know, I, I would always write as a kid. I'd try to write, I would, I would write books and I would submit solicitations to publishers and I just yeah I guess I just have I I think thanks to kind of what my mom modeled with that I just if I admired something or somebody around me I'd be like well why not me um and because of that um when I was home for the summer and I didn't have anything lined up really to do when I was 17 I thought well why not? Like, I love to write. Why not write and share it with people and they can follow along on my journey, like discovering my hometown and they can discover it with me too. I love that. And I think that's something that we can be for future, even, you know, regardless of age, just anybody that's looking to, um, you know, be supported in that way to tell people, why not you? 
Cause I think so many people will give an idea to a friend or share, share a concept with somebody and they get the opposite where it's like, well, you don't know how to do that. Or you've never done that before. You know, if we could, as a, as a group of, of people that are trying to raise the vibe and, and support these creative people and their endeavors could be the group that says, yeah, you can totally figure this out. Why not you? I love yeah. that idea. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So how do you feel about, um, because there's so many young creators now, what is um, your advice to them? Another fantastic question. Kendra, you're breaking the fire. Oh, I love it. Okay. So, um, what would be my advice to them? Um, my advice is you already have everything you need to do what you want. That's my number one advice, because if you, you know, for my story, what probably came across, you know, I, I had, I mean, I had, I have to go to college in order to be able to do this. I have to go to grad school in order to know how to create products that people love and then work in tech. And then someday I'll migrate my way back to entrepreneurship. Like, <laughs> I guess, um, in my mind, I just kept thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough until, and I just want to tell you right now, especially for young creatives, if you are like, you know, you're think you're thinking about college or you're about to graduate college and you're like, I don't know, do I need to go get a job now? And my answer to you is no, you don't have, you don't have to get a job. You don't have to go to college if you don't want. I'm personally very happy that I went to college because I got a lot of other really incredible things out of that experience. And, you know, I got to study theater. I love theater. Um, but you don't have to do anything because you already have everything that you need to do what you want. And if you, and if you're like, well, I don't really know what I want. Okay, big secret. Yes, you do. <laughs> we have, we, oftentimes know what we want we're just afraid to admit it to ourselves mm -hmm. um so whatever that thing is within you that feels scary we're not like a oh i'm in a forest in the dark on halloween right. scary but a like oh my god can i really do that it's like who am i to try that type of scary um you are you to try that and that's the thing you want to do I love that you're that. Going, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's the thing that, you know, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Cause I've had, I don't even know how many guests this season and so many people, when they describe their journey, they end up doing what they wanted to do when they were five years old. Yes. It's yes. like, it takes a minute to get back there because you have society or teachers or parents or whoever it is saying, this is the path. This is the one that we've all went down for generations. So this is the one you got to go. Mm -hmm. And these young kids, um, they all have a really interesting opportunity that like my generation was just on the cusp of. Um, and I think there's so much more room for play um, in your life, like choosing a career that is fun that, that makes you feel great. One of my teachers in high school and I graduated in 1998. So I'm, I'm 
I'm an old lady now, but um, my teacher said, your generation is one of the very first that are going to have an opportunity to have multiple careers based on your choices and what you want to do and how you want to live your life. And I thought that was so interesting because up until that point, I was only seeing people who had one career. Their goal was benefits, pension, social security, all that stuff. So by the time I got into the workforce, like that's what had been drummed into my head for so many years. And I knew that I didn't want to go down that path. And most of those securities were gone. So it wasn't even anything I I really looked at as a serious um, thing to even try and attain. But I love watching these younger kids and your generation kind of come up and break every single damn rule and be so happy and so successful. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it is so fun. And I love that you brought up like, Usually people, it's funny how people come back to doing that thing that they kind of wanted to do when they were five, because one of my favorite questions I love to ask people, like this is a really fun icebreaker, y'all, you should try it, is um, what game did you like to play when you were like a really little kid? Because I think that is so revealing about how your brain works. Yeah. Um, What was yours? Oh my gosh. Of course I was, I was bossing everybody around trying to get them to play pretend with me, but my pretends weren't like, let's go shopping. My pretends were like, okay, it's the end of the world and we need to get supplies. (laughs) Which you just experienced. (laughs) I've now experienced in real life and I don't ever want to play that game ever again. But yeah, I mean, I was, and I, I would, because I, I grew up, my mom's side of the family is quite big, and I would direct my little sister and my cousins, we'd boss them all around and get them to act out the storyline with me. Um, but you know, whereas like my dad, he's a very math science brain. When he was mm-hmm. a kid, he says that he would love to look at his environment and see how many triangles he could make in his environment. Oh, I love that. Right? What a cool brain. Yeah. I used to play office and I wanted to be an interior designer and I would plan out somebody's space or a travel agent. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And I love both those things now. Like my urge to travel is, is painful (laughs) being in COVID and I can't go anywhere. Um, But we just booked a trip to Montana in August. So I am so excited. Yay. Oh, Montana is beautiful. I've been there one time. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. But then that's why we do this, right? You're, we get one life. And I think a lot of us have been in a position this last year where we kind of had a minute to digest where we are. Are we happy? Are we, you know, are some of those stories that we have told ourselves for the past, how many years still true or actually were they ever true? Like I told myself I could not be productive at home. I needed to run my business out of an office. I had an office for 15 years. Um, and I, I am shocked that not only do I absolutely love working from home and my team has totally adjusted, but like I'm more productive. So yeah, those stories were interestingly, um, completely destroyed. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's something that I always love to work on with folks. I love challenge people to ask them, okay, is that a fact or is that actually your opinion of the situation? Yeah. Um, 
because we can when we separate it out like that we can choose to have another opinion yeah sometimes throws people a little bit they're like what especially if they've had that opinion for their whole life or for a very long time um but that is literally how you change yourself is you just give yourself permission to change your opinion about a situation you're in yeah even the idea that you can make choices because you want to be happier or spend more time with your family or you know i um I do think that it's it's probably an easier um, thought for younger people, but I know like for us, for my generation and older, like that wasn't really the focus usually. It was very much, um, you know, this is just the way things are. Like the idea that like I'm raising my kids to follow their passion and figure out what their soul's calling is. Like my mother or my father, they love me to death, but they would never have used those terms. Like they want me to be happy and successful. Um, but you know, in a very specific way, like a safe way that's going to check those boxes again, like pension insurance, all those things. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's just a different climate now, which I think is a good shift. Yeah, definitely different climate. And it's a climate that, you know, regardless of your age, you can open the window and let in now. It's like, that's something that I actually was talking with a client about yesterday. It's like, okay, so we were this way, maybe for the first X amount of years of your life, aka all of them up until now, but guess what? Like, cause she was like, man, like we were talking about processing emotions and she was like, man, why did nobody teach me how to do this? And I was like, well, here's the good news congratulations you are being taught how to do it right now right at any age you can change and make a pivot and Mm -hmm. um yeah what is your your description of perfection oh wow nobody has ever asked me that Hmm. because I have a feeling I might be a perfectionist I'm coming to realize that but in my head a perfectionist like the house is completely immaculate and everything is lined up and orderly. And I'm starting to realize that there's another level that I'm not aware of. So what I'm curious what your description is. Yeah. So perfectionist for me and for the people that I tend to come across who I'm like, yeah, I could totally help you. Um, it's when you find yourself thinking a lot about like, what's the right way with a capital R or what's the, um, like, I want this, like, like what's it, what's right or is it ready also with a capital R. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think thoughts like that, I think, I think, yeah, perfectionism, perfectionism, perfectionism is when you spend your energies and attention trying to find the right way or trying to get ready mm-hmm. instead of um, taking action, putting yourself out there and getting into action. And the reason why people go for why perfectionists and you know I have done this and so many people do this they 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 start they go into like you can tell you're kind of a, perfect, a perfectionist if you tend to research things a lot make a Mm. lot of pros and cons lists you um or you take you kind of like binge take classes yeah (laughs) 
um, you know, there's, there's one, there's taking classes to learn out of curiosity and then there's taking classes to try to fill a hole within your own self-concept of like, I'm not ready yet. Right. Um, yeah. And the reason why people do this is because I've, I've noticed this time and time again with clients is because we think that if we are more ready or if we have the right idea or the right way to do something, we're not going to fail. Mm-hmm. It will succeed. But here's the thing. Here's the truth about the entrepreneurship experience and also life in general. You are going to fail no matter what. All the research, all the right way, all the readiness is not going to make a difference because um, you got to put yourself out there and interact with like and, and just try it, just get on the bicycle and start riding. Right. And what happens is most people, they'll hit their first failure or two and they make it mean something about, I wasn't ready, it's not right. right. And then we begin the vicious cycle again. Whereas instead, what should be happening is, okay, that didn't work. It doesn't mean anything about me. It doesn't mean anything about my idea. It doesn't really mean anything. All it means is that there's a lesson here right. that I can now tweak the settings on my bicycle and we keep going like your sugar, right? If you never, if you had stopped before you even put those, those little jars out there, they didn't Mm -hmm. sell, but they led, gave you more information and led you to your next step. Exactly. Oh my gosh. You're right. You know, I always, I, I always tell people that story and I'm like, I started a business the exact wrong way, but you know what? What if I started it the exact right way? Because I just got something Right. And then I got feedback on it. You're so right. I'm changing how I describe that story. <laughs> you could have been the biggest distributor of sugar in the, the, the you know, the whole U.S., Canada. Um, yep. But it led you down a road that, you know, was more meaningful and, and became your next, your next endeavor. Exactly. That, that was another reason why I didn't continue with the sugar shop when I graduated, because I was like, do I want my legacy to be packets of sugar? Right, right. Um, you know, I looking back, I could have chosen to see that differently. I could have chosen to see like I was helping people make one of the most memorable events in their life amazing. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I wish I had a presence in my life who would have had that conversation with me because mm-hmm. I remember especially during my second business, I felt so alone. I felt like, I felt the inventory, the invent, like in, inventory was bogging me down. I was like, what's a supply chain? And that was bogging me down. And I just felt like I was doing everything wrong. <laughs> Cause I thought that if I was doing it right, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be hitting these, like I wouldn't be having situations where things weren't working the yeah. way I wanted it to. Um, so I wish, I, I wish I had somebody with me in that moment to be like, okay, Sarah, all you have to do is just learn from this and change it. And if you want to keep doing this, you can, you can just change your mind about it and make it worthwhile for you. Well, that's why we have people like you, you can be that support for someone else. Yes. And that's like, honestly, probably my favorite thing about the current day and age we have now is because we have a rock. And professionals who do things like that, you know, we have a rise of mental health professionals. We're having a rise of coaches. Like, I like you know, five years ago, I didn't know what a coach was. Do you know what a coach was? I didn't. 
my best friend is a coach, um, but I thought it was odd. I was like, what is he doing? And I, I, that was the conversation where I, he finally became my coach where I was like, you need to, I don't, I don't know what you're doing, but you look really happy. And I love what you're, you're saying and sharing. So I want some of that. Show me what you're, what you're all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. All yes to that. There's also this other side of things where, you know, there's shame around the failure. Right. And I think, um, a lot of people get brought down by that where, you know, what you're saying is like learning the lessons, there shouldn't be any shame. Well, here's the thing, because there's another very sneaky, vicious cycle where it's so easy for us to go, okay, I feel shame, but I know I shouldn't be feeling the shame. Okay, shame, go away. Oh, it's still there. Why is the shame still there? I'm broken. And that's another thing that a lot of folks get stuck in. Because here's the thing, at a certain level, um, those icky emotions that come up when bad things happen, quote, bad things happen, they will never go away. Because we are humans and we have a human brain. And there's the, the primal part of our brain wants to keep us safe. And what that looked like in caveman times was don't go outside in the dark, you'll get eaten by a tiger, so be scared. What that looks like in 21st century times is don't go do that new thing because it's unknown. And so our brains like to give us, quite frankly, a lot of BS. Like, yeah. this is scary. I feel like this is embarrassing. I feel ashamed. And our brains are giving, our brains try to give us negative emotion to stop us from going there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean our brain is broken. It just means that part of our brain that wants to keep us safe is working. And so we just get to be aware of that. And when it comes up, instead of going, nope, shame, go away. Why are you here? Go, oh, I see. Like, okay, well, I'm maybe, you know, we're feeling a little, okay, it's, we're, I'm feeling embarrassed right now. And okay, like, I can't, like, this is, this is how I advise my clients to do it. This is how I do it. Like, whenever you're feeling an emotion, feel it physically in your body. Like, literally, what is it? Um, I was speaking with a client yesterday. We were actually talking about sadness. And she was like, I feel it. My face gets tight. My chest gets tight. And I feel a lump in the back of my throat. Mm. And I said, okay. Can you live with your face being tight and your chest being tight and a lump in the back of your throat? And she said, yeah. And I said, has it ever, has that feeling ever lasted forever before? And she said, no. And that is how we can process those emotions like sadness, fear, shame. It's like, let's boil it down to what it actually is. And we don't have to push it away because we can live with it. And it will, and especially when we notice it like that, it, it like kind of magically dissipates. Right. doesn't mean it'll never come back, but it does kind of like, it's kind of crazy. Kind yeah. of <laughs> um, so what is your number one tip for moving past um, perfectionism? Hmm get a coach. <laughs> yeah. We all need this help. 
honestly, yeah, that's that's a pretty good tip. Is um, because here's the thing, we like, all need support. Yeah, and you know what? Support is first of all, support is fun. Like I always tell my clients, you don't need anything. What do you want? And I'll tell you, like, I love, I want support. I love getting support because it is so fun. It is so fun to be aware of how you've been. And it's so fun to consciously transform into where you're going. Um, so yeah, definitely. And, 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 and getting a coach also, like, if you've been, if you've been building up these kind of like default patterns throughout your whole life, sometimes it's hard for us to be aware of what's going on. So mm -hmm. just having somebody come in and offer that perspective and help you hold space to be like, oh, that's what's going on. Do I want to keep seeing it that way? Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely getting a coach. That's a good tip. Um, trying to think, is there anything else um I think I think my biggest tip or if, if you wanted to just try to like DIY it for a little bit just um just ask yourself why is this already perfect for somebody mm-hmm like set a timer for 10 minutes and, you know, first of all, ask yourself, how long do you want to spend on something? Like, for example, in the, you know, I wish I could have told my designer self this because I know a lot of designers have perfectionist tendencies. I mean, hello, we're so detail oriented. Yes. Um, you know, like working on a project for a client or working on a particular screen design. It's like, okay, how long do I want to spend on this? Mm -hmm. Set that for yourself first, maybe set a timer. And then when you find yourself approaching that point, pause and set the timer again for 10 minutes and just journal to yourself, why is this already perfect? Or why, if, if it's hard for you to get, if you wanna take perfect out, why is this good enough? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice on that word good enough too? Because I feel like a lot of people look at it almost like a negative word. Can we shift perspective and look at it another way? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it's so interesting because I think if somebody were in front of me and they were like, good enough, mm, good enough doesn't feel that good. Right. I would be like, okay, let's separate out the fact from the neutral situation like good enough is just two words the words themselves are neutral mm -hmm. like the words themselves are not coloring anything positively or negatively it's your own perception thinking. of it yes it's your own yeah. perception of good enough here that is causing the coloring so i would definitely ask that person like ask yourself first of all, try to ask yourself, what are you thinking about good enough? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, ask yourself, is that true? Mm. Is that helping you get where you need to go? When you think that thought, how does that make you feel? Um, because all of those are going to help give you clues as to whether or not you actually want to change how you see good enough or not. 
Yeah. I mean, even like my brain is screaming right now at me, like good enough is never good enough. And, but if you think about like the high bar that you, you set and how high that bar is set every single time, and does it need to be, is that serving someone? Is it serving you? You know, I want to be the best mom I can possibly be. Um, where do I set that bar? That's a realistic, comfortable, balanced place for me is a decision I have to make sometimes minute by minute, but <laughs> like my kids do not get homemade lunches. They get school lunch. They love it. Um, and it's pretty healthy. I, you know, all the excuses start coming into my head, but it's something that works for my life and balance for us. Um, so that's something that I say that's good enough. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think a lot of us say good enough and think it's not. And I think maybe even just if you can't handle that phrase, maybe it just needs to be a better phrase that you're more comfortable with saying that it is exactly what it needs to be right now. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, substituting good enough with it's exactly where it needs to be right now, that could be great. Or even just taking off the enough and like, this is good. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like hearing you speaking about, you know, your perspective as a mom with your kids, it's like, yeah, why is them having a healthy lunch? Well, social media says we have to. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, why, why is my kids having that experience actually good? Right. Um, yeah. Sorry. My dog, one of them just got home. Oh, hello. Um, and then another piece of that too, because I see this also a lot um, with all humans, but especially with kind of, you know, perfectionist folks, is we do a lot of mind reading. Mm. So like, we think we, we perceive in our brains that somebody is going to think something of us or somebody's going to think something of the situation, um, you know, but the reality is we will never know what's going on in somebody else's mind. Sure. And we can actually never change, like we can never consciously choose for them what to think. Like it is out of our control. Yeah. That's a so really good we, point. Yeah. So really what's happening there when you, when we hear our, the voice in our head going like, all the moms are going to judge me or like my kids are going to be so damaged from this. <laughs> you know, really what that is, is that is your primal brain speaking out of fear and your primal brain is again, trying to keep you safe. Right. right. Um, and then you just get to look at that voice. I mean, I even have named my primal brain voice. I encourage all my clients to do it. I um, love that. Yeah. That's another, that's another really high up there tip for me. Um, mine's name is Marsha. Uh, or as some of the British folks in my life say, Marcia. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately I go to Brady Bunch, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I always encourage people to pick names that are like a little bit, um, a little bit silly, but also still lovable because yeah. that's, that's, that's the relationship we're looking for with your primal brain. It's like, okay, you're a little bit silly. We could still love you. Um, but you are kind of being silly right now. Right, right. So, yeah. That's a great idea. I love that. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I wanted to thank you so much for being on the show and everyone can find Sarah. I'm going to put all the um, links in the show notes. Um, so your unicorn page and go find Sarah on Instagram. What is your Instagram handle? Yeah, my Instagram handle is at like the, you know, the A in the circle um, at brand cake, B-R-A-N-D-C-A-K-E dot like the period dot and then biz b-i-z so perfect that's me awesome oh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing space with us today and you are now an official unicorn <laughs> it was so fun becoming one and thank oh. you so much for this wonderful conversation i loved it Thank you so much for being on the show today, Sarah. And thank you to all of you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Do all of the social things. Please come find me on Instagram. Head over to tribeofunicorns.com if you want to connect with Sarah or any of my previous guests. It is the best place to find all the pertinent links for everyone. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next week.